and thank you for once again joining us on Man Ascending. I am your host, Athenophis, and I am joined as usual by my co-host, Riley. Welcome back, guys. Alright, so it has been a while since we've had the chance to make a podcast. Uh, Riley went out of town for a little while, and once he came back, we just kind of uh, got sidetracked with a bunch of other little projects and... Uh, dumped on snow That's yep yep we got we definitely got dumped on uh it's it's winter uh has fully set in here in idaho so uh been pretty busy but before we get into our business for today and our topic uh, i'm going to offer up a prayer to the gods hero zeus highly honored one of truth and faith O hospitable one may we speak truly and rightly as we pursue your divine and permeating form Hear us, Hermes, lover of mankind, O joyful and gracious one, guide us that our words may be eloquent and edifying. O Agathodaimon, guardian spirit, he who was appointed to us on the seven rays of Zeus, may we feel your presence and be led by your unwavering guidance towards the good. Hear us, Aphrodite, the popular, common, may we possess social grace as we pursue divine beauty, and may we do it justice. Hear us, Apollo, O bright and radiant one, May we be blessed with a bright mind as we ponder the nature of your shining rays of truth. Artemis, great-named and great-naming, all-shining, radiant to all, she who is gracious, approachable, and beloved, may we find comfort in your divine silvery rays that they may lend us guidance in our pursuit of truth, beauty, and the good. Hear us, great and wise Athena, forever guide us towards your sharp-pointed wisdom and give our souls holy light from your sacred myths and wisdom and lore. Fiat. All right. I just had a interesting observation so as you started the prayer i just instinctually took my hat off but didn't they haven't you heard something about they used to wear hoods or some kind of a hat or something when they prayed yes so i well i've looked into the attire and uh the garb that was that was worn by the ancient greeks and I always see depictions of them wearing hats, and there is this one hat in particular that I think people still wear, um, but if I'm not mistaken, it comes from Rome, and I forget the name of the hat, but it's the one that's um, it's just worn on your head, there's no brim or anything, and it's floppy at the top, it's oh, pointed in. It looks in. like the Keebler elf hats. Yes, Like yes. the little Keebler elf hats. And right. for different festivals, they would wear them pointing a different way. I can't remember if it has its origins in Greek or not, but the Romans were the one who'd, uh, they were the ones who'd wear the hoods oh, okay. when they when coming before the gods. Um, and they would... Wasn't it to like hide their face from them or something? What was the purpose of it? Um, well, I know a lot of people say different things, but it seems like it's just a... Um, it's just them showing piety and reverence towards the gods, yeah. co- covering their head as they are uh, fully focused and fully going within and without, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. It'd be worth – it's definitely something worth looking into and studying because uh, especially once we establish a temple here in our local area and once we have priests uh, inhabiting the temple, a, a garb will be – a topic that we'll have to discuss, but we're still in the community building phase, obviously. So, um, that's something that'll come later down the road. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. I I really like their attire. I like the robes and I, and I get the merit and the function and practicality and not only that, but the beauty of the aesthetics of the robes as well. It's, um, 
it's Alan Watts was someone who kind of brought back the robe. He he wore a kimono and yeah. and uh, man, more power to him. You know, that's it's they're undeniably comfortable. First of all, I always think um, I don't know if it's just my like base paranoid brain, but I've always hated wearing boots. I hate wearing things that. I can't run or fight in. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I wouldn't want like a big draping robe. Obviously, the aesthetics, it, it looks super cool, like a Gandalf figure. Uh, I, a kimono, though. I mean, like Japanese fought in kimonos. Yeah. And I already know jujitsu, so right. it'd be legit. But I also believe that um, when they were in war, they wouldn't wear robes. They would wear, they would almost wear, they're pretty much naked, if I recall correctly. Like they would tie their robe up like hike it up and roll it up i believe it was the greeks yeah they would hike it up so it was almost like just covering basically their genitalia Mm -hmm. and um that was it or i remember hearing something about them fighting naked too like full-on fighting naked i i can't remember they obviously wrestled naked but um they they, think they wear some kind of armor oh yeah armor too but under the armor like what they're wearing under the armor the um scottish would just fight in kilts right that that's that's actually mobility right practical very practical that's riding a horseback though (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah maybe some chafing involved there um that's definitely something that i mean it's just it's something trivial a lot of people would think but modern fashion is just so ridiculous i i don't think there's i don't find a lot of beauty from it like just wearing a you know, t-shirt and pants and everyone wears the same basic stuff and there's no diversity within the cultural uh, dressings and what have you. Yeah. And then there's also like a lot of vanity involved in the, um, in in people who are super obsessed with style. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I understand there are people who are into fashion and style designers and stuff who really do it's a craft and they they're very good at it and they find and it's their passion which is kind of what we want to talk about today is Mm -hmm. um passion and hobbies tools um, Mm -hmm. that we can use so and there are those that do that i'm not just i don't want to just say that people who are into fashion are vain or whatever Mm because it it is a skill and there is beauty and aesthetic in it but i think what we would have to be considering is what is the goal with fashion Mm -hmm. um Remember, there's always that fine line between art and flattery. Yeah. For instance, people who are wearing brands like what's that super expensive brand that you always see, like kids there's wearing a lot Supreme. Supreme, yes. Like they're paying for the label. Mm-hmm. It's still a T-shirt. Yeah. It's still pants. It's still the normal fashion and has normal functionality. You're a fool. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Or yeah, that's that's obviously flattery because. It's all about maximizing pleasure, and their pleasure obviously comes from the status of it. Yeah, it's absolutely decorating the ego. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, this is how I feel inside. I'm like, well, <laughs> you're listening to the wrong voice, probably. Yeah. You know, um, don't want to make this a Politicast, but mm-hmm. uh, AOC's dress that she wore to the what was it like the Met Gallers? I don't remember what it was, but the tax. Oh, she's just wearing like this pure white dress. The tickets are over like thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and she's wearing a dress that just says "Tax the Rich" on it. Oh this is just man! Funny. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, what a hero!" Yeah, when people also use uh, clothing to project their ideologies, yeah. that's another weird thing to uh, 
I, I can't stand clothing with words on it <laughs> unless it's something I'm supporting, like a local business or or funny or yeah, like funny stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you kind of already touched on what we wanted to talk about today, which is um, uh, passion, things that we're passionate about, art and um, hobbies and crafts. Um, but really, what it is are it, it's tools of empowerment or tools of improvement, things that we can do to um, interact directly with the world and with the principles that are embodied by the gods and how through those principles and interactions, it directly benefits us, has a direct benefit on our own personal development. And um, anytime you really take on something, something that you are completely ignorant in, but something that you're interested in, there's a spark there. And as you cultivate that spark and f- and fuel the fire, you you are able to grow this flame, and it turns into this passion and something that you are uh, very involved in. It's almost like you are sacrificing yourself to something, and you're sacrificing your ignorance to its fire, the fire that it produces. And to get more specific, we can talk about various hobbies and arts and. Um, any craft or anything that we that we devote ourselves to and how it can have a direct beneficial impact on us yeah um and it's really things that engage your soul or your uh, uh your noetic mind or um they i would even say disciplines yeah. the soul yeah right yeah. by aligning it with the correct virtues right yeah. and it's and they anything you choose to do like hobbies passions it's that's gonna it's just you pretty much studying and learning principles the principles at hand and because i knocked fashion uh, in at first i want to talk about how p- perhaps that could be something good i was just thinking about it and if you are into like fashion or designing it, it's it's a form of art and i could see how you would have to analyze aesthetic and beauty and you have to um, analyze the mind of what like what engages people's mind just like the mind's eye by looking at it what what people are drawn to and you'd have to think about the principles involved in that and also the functionality of the apparel right Uh, for instance if you're someone who um, let's say you specialize in wool materials so you make Things like anoraks or wool pants or wool hats, uh, any kind of wool shirt. Obviously, it it does. There is an aesthetic element to it, but first they start with the material wool, which has a functionality to it, right? Something that you could say is uh, made for the benefit of the one who wears it. Um, specifically with wool. Obviously, wool is very, it's a very hardy substance. It is resistant to water and it retains heat very well. Even if it's wet, it can retain heat. It's also itchy. <laughs> yeah, that's something to consider. Yeah, you know, like. for sure, for sure. But when we're out in the woods in the yeah. snow, there's nothing you'd prefer wearing. No. You know, you yeah. want wool. Yeah. You want wool, even if it's a base layer of wool. Yeah. And then you have something else more water resistant over it. Wool is just something that keeps you so warm and it stays dry very easily. And um, like I said, even when it's wet, you stay warm. So with uh, apparel, since that's what we've been talking about, um, you 
functionality comes first. What are you trying to do with this art? Well, of course, like Plato said, anything that is considered art has to be for the benefit of the subject, of the one it is made for. Um, for instance, a doctor, their art is to benefit the body, right? It's to bring about a certain excellence or um, health or a good, as opposed to just trying to maximize pleasure. Um, and obviously, that would, he says uh, that is flattery, and he gives an example of cookery. He talks about the difference between a doctor who is prescribing a certain diet for the health of the patient and then someone who's a cook and tries to just make the most delicious or sweet or um, pleasurable meal, right, regardless of the health effects. Mm -hmm. So this would be the difference between flattery and craft or art. Um, so we just wanted to talk about a few things that that we have uh, taken up and that have benefited our own well-being. Um, something we've recently gotten into was uh, bushcraft. You more so than I, um, but it's something worth doing, and I'll let you talk on that. Yeah, well, yeah it definitely is something that we've kind of more recently just got into. However, it's something that we've always been into. You know what I mean? Like as children, we would we would just spend all our days out in the forest and making forts and uh, you know just fantasy lands and bow and arrows and swords and just goofing off. But making stuff out of wood or using mm -hmm. plants for certain mm -hmm. practical uses. Yeah, and the difference is we just didn't know what we were doing, but we knew what we wanted to do. But we so we just end up grabbing a bunch of plants and stuff and calling them potions and it's just like you know honeysuckle or something and yeah. some dandelions squished up in the makeshift mortar and pestle yeah. and but um now it's kind of like i've seen the value in it especially just today's day and age you know it's always better to be prepared um kind of looked at it for from a survival perspective and then um just always had the desire to learn more about those things. And I don't know, you, you know more about foraging, you know more about plants and stuff like that, which is an essential part to it. Um, you can be stuck out in the forest and if you can't get yourself any food, you're kind of out of luck right there, even if you have a great shelter. But um, we, I just went and um, started building a wiki up, which is just like a survival shelter, a bushcrafting shelter. And Ethan it came looks over almost like a like a teepee, right? Yeah. Maybe go maybe talk about how you construct that. Okay. Yeah, um I'll I'll tell you about it just verbally right now. If you do wanna check it out, um I actually have taken the time and started Ethan and I have started a website. It's uh kind of a just a blog where we'll uh, write about like he wrote about his trip to the sawtooth and we've been writing about some of the things we're doing like cold temperature exposure and um just the wiki up on there that we went and cooked dinner over a fire and we learned a lot from that like mm -hmm. um and we wrote all about that there it's called uh it's artemis-ally.com uh and i don't we could probably put a link in the description right yeah, yeah so we'll throw a link in the description if you want to uh, get a visual of it but essentially we just took um three decent sized logs and we bound them together at the top and we just raised it up and then uh, we just add other logs around it like keep keep going around in a circle so it's kind of a teepee frame and then we'll take more green we have uh pines up here like evergreen branches and we just weave those through 
all of the um, frame sticks and it holds them all in place there pretty well and it it, it's pretty darn sturdy i'm not gonna lie it's pretty sturdy and and i'm i'm very happy with it for being the first shelter like real shelter we've ever built and then we started doing a layer of cattails you skipped the branches oh i i said we we weave them through oh yeah sticks but you didn't talk about the needles and everything oh yeah so they they have the evergreen branches that are like fresh ones with needles and that's what we're what we weave through there and then we um oh after we weave sticks through to keep it i see what you're saying yeah Yeah. it creates like a mesh uh layer that holds those logs together and allows us to drive evergreen branches up through in order to insulate it and kind of create a wall and it it looks pretty sweet and it works very well i still want to add a layer of cattails around it just for that extra layer uh be a great wind block and probably um deter some of the water from getting in but right now the thing's under like two feet of snow the whole thing but it's it's i went down there yesterday and the whole inside is completely dry except for where the door i don't have a door on it yet so some blo- some snow got blown in there but um it's it's really fun it's really rewarding to get out there and do and just um be out in nature right there and uh there's some moose down there moose love it down there i've ran into them twice now but they really don't seem like they care about me too much they're just doing their thing yeah um it's funny because when you told me because you made the website um all by yourself and everything and then you told me about it after the fact and i was like oh wow that's awesome uh you chose the perfect name though artemis ally because Artemis is obviously the goddess of the mountains, the forest, the wild, wild beasts, and we're working directly in her realm when we're out there. And it just makes me so happy. Every time I walk out there, once I step onto that trail, you know the world that you're immersing yourself in and the principles that you're now working with. And you've almost made a deal with your own self, right? Like I'm going to abandon these luxuries, these modern luxuries that we have and are more so just given to us Mm -hmm. and really we're going to take it upon ourselves to assume responsibility Mm -hmm. over ourselves and learn how to survive off of the bare minimum if you're not given anything if maybe you have a knife or a hatchet right and every time i go down there like i I think it was the second time i went down there when you're showing it Mm -hmm. to me and um, I saw a buck right there when I walked, I, right when I got on the trail, there's a buck just looking at me and I was like, yeah, it was a stag too, you know? So it's, it's the realm of Artemis. It truly is. And the more you learn within that, the more, um, immersed you are within that, those principles that that realm embodies. And you, I was blown away by not only how practical it is, but how, simple a lot of it is simple and i don't mean easy when i say simple but simple in that it is uh very straightforward for instance when you showed me how to make cordage Mm -hmm. out of just grass you showed me you taught me how to do it in seconds seconds how many people know how to do that most people you run into wouldn't know how to make rope if you just threw them in the woods you you can learn how to make cordage out of so many things you can use nettle bark uh you can use uh just grass you can use cattails you can use yeah plant fibers and you can use cedar bark like the inside of cedar bark cedars i'm starting to learn are a very 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 good resource to have they're good for so many things and what's cool about cedar is 
it is the tree associated with Artemis, the tree associated with uh, the lunar deities. That makes a lot of sense. Because <laughs> it has a lot of practical uses in that realm, right? Yeah. And you... I've noticed you just get super into it when you're doing it. It's almost like jujitsu when you're rolling and you just, you're just rolling. You just get into your flow. It's the same thing with, um, just getting out there bushcrafting. You just, you very, um, mission focused or I don't know, goal oriented. Like I need to do this and you just get into this mode of building. You get into this mode of doing, you know, and what I've noticed, uh, the main thing I've, I learned from the get go is how, badly it can suck if you don't know what you're doing or and i always screw myself over because i try taking shortcuts like oh this should work and that's one thing you don't want to do with cordage is <laughs> oh this just should be fine it's like no there's a weak weak link in there that's you know yeah. you're gonna have to start over if you slack like you need to make sure things are good you need to make sure things um are gonna hold up and you do things with purpose so you already touched on one benefit of doing um one benefit that comes with a discipline like that mm -hmm. and that is focus right yeah. you have to be focused yeah. and not only that you have to you have to strive for perfection insofar that you are capable or that it is yeah. possible right yeah. like with the cordage you can't you can't do it um you can't make cordage lazily right yeah. you can't be lackadaisical about it and if you're really good at if you're really good at it and you've and you've attuned yourself with the principles and people can cruise at it but that's it, called efficiency yeah, but though it right it takes time yeah it takes that effort yeah you it's the effort that counts so uh for instance we made some cordage and you're like it was really cold it was dark we were ready to be done with the cordage yeah. and move on to the next yeah. thing which is putting up the frames yeah. and what happened we tied them together when we put them up it snapped right yeah. it couldn't hold it up so and and we knew that it wasn't strong enough already but we thought oh, let's try it anyway i i said that several times when i was making it like oh that one wasn't very good but you know because i lost track or i didn't yeah. didn't do a good splice or i just did like the quicker way instead of doing it the proper way yeah yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of humbling moments in something like that, right? And you think, man, if I didn't have a house that was just up the hill from me that provided me with warmth and food and, and shelter, I would be screwed right now. Yeah. I would be SOL. I would yeah. be hungry and cold and would really be worrying about my well-being. Yeah, that's that was a good lesson because we're out there and it was dark already. I was using my headlamp and... It's snowy. My hands are so cold, and we don't have a fire yet. We don't have a shelter up, so we're out there trying to make cordage, and I'm just trying to quickly get it done in order to get this up so that I can have that accomplishment for the night and go in and uh, just, you know, really just half-assed it, and it broke, and then I realized I'm going up to the house, you know, <laughs> like I'm done with this tonight. My hands are freaking numb. I can't do nothing. But you have that thought of going, when you're walking back over to the house, what if I didn't have a house? Yeah. You know, I don't, I couldn't afford to mess this up the first time because if you spend the time and then it, and you mess it up, you have to start all over. Now, like now you're going to be even more frustrated and probably take more shortcuts. Now you're never going to have cordage and you're going to die, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like take the time and do things right. Yes. If you want to survive. Yes. So Patience and precision mm -hmm. are absolutely vital, yeah. right? And that's for any craft. That's for archery. 
that's for jujitsu. You need patience. Math. The math. It's it's for anything. Anything that is worth doing. Um, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of lessons. You have to conform to the principles at play. If not, then what are you doing, right? And there's a cool. I heard a cool story um, about Arjuna, who's the one of the main characters in the Bhagavad Gita. He's the warrior that uh, Krishna is talking to in the Bhagavad Gita. And I heard a story about him, uh, and it was on a lesson um, regarding focus and. The story goes that when he was a young boy, his guru, his archery guru, because everyone who taught in art was a guru, so the archery guru uh, was teaching him and his brothers, who were all princes, he was giving them lessons in archery, and one day he said, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to shoot this clay pigeon that's in the tree here, and one uh, one of the students came forward and he said, okay, now go ahead and take your shot. And as the student drew his bow back, the guru said, stop. He said, what do you see? And the student said, well, I, I see the pigeon. So, okay, what else do you see? I see the tree. Okay, what else? I see the limbs. Uh-huh. I see the leaves. Okay, stop. Next person up. He's like, okay. He's kind of confused. He didn't even get to take a shot. Next person comes up and draws his bow back about to take a shot and the guru says stop again what do you see and he says well i see the pigeon what else do you see well i see the tree i see the sky i see the leaves i see the ground in the background stop next person arjuna comes up arjuna comes up draws back his arrow and the guru says stop what do you see and he says i see the clay pigeon he says what else do you see he says i see nothing else and he says okay what do you see on the pigeon he says i see its eye he says what else do you see he says only the eye and then he takes a shot and hits the pigeon in the eye (laughs) that is a cool story that's a very very cool story yeah focus yeah and that's you know the the, um, vedic tradition especially in the bhagavad gita they always talk about a mind of one-pointedness, being completely immersed and uh, completely surrendered to what it is that you are you are doing. You are completely devoting your attention to it, so that you can resonate with it um, as as much as possible in order to truly be a proper catalyst of the principles that are inherent within whatever the task is. Uh, so, I I. You obviously learn many different lessons when you're undertaking any kind of task or activity, hobby, whatever you want to call it. And focus is really the, I would say, underlying theme to anything that you take up. If you don't have focus and your mind wanders, you will never be able to accomplish as much as you would if you were 100% devoted and focused on the task. Another thing that that pertains to really is we've we've mostly been talking about hobbies up until this point or things, you know, that, that we can do um, that we're passionate about and, and start to learn these principles and um, look towards them. But what we don't have as much anymore, obviously it's still around, but it's 
craftsmen like not everyone has a craft mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a long time ago like everyone had some kind of a craft so in their daily lives their livelihood was tied to some kind of a craft i mean there's traders and stuff like that but even them they 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 have to that's a craft really in itself yeah. if you think about it, like they have to travel and make the plans and everything but yeah today we there's a lot of uh kind of lackadaisical jobs melancholy yeah and it's it's really because the way that i was going to say universities are set up but society as a whole and what it tells you is if you are not doing this thing that makes you a bunch of money you are not successful you are not succeeding at life if you are not uh if you don't aspire to be a doctor or a lawyer or um an economist then you're below whatever whatever class is above you right like you're a lowly person and that came in when we went away with classes when we went away with the dignity and the necessity of each class now when we think of laborers we think oh they're lowly people people look down on them but yet we need them for every single aspect of society if we want to grow we need laborers we they are just as important as administrators but society in this egalitarian society that we're now living in we're told that everyone must be equal mm-hmm. which means everyone must be the same and it goes into kind it kind of goes into this homogenizing um or homogenized perspective of people and their role within society where everyone should be the same everyone should be making the same amount of money everyone should have the same skills everyone should try to go to the university give them gobs of money for something that they don't really even care to do but they don't even know that yet so society doesn't support the class model they don't support the dignity of a laborer of of a mason right Whereas in ancient times, Masons were some of the most important people. A Mason was someone who was responsible for the growth and construction of a society. And through that, through their art, if they were truly craftsmen, they upheld a certain amount of beauty in their art, in their buildings. And then you look at architecture today compared to traditional architecture, and you can see how we've really gone from the goal of quality to the goal of quantity mm-hmm. and qu- at the expense of quality. And yeah. it's obvious. Yeah. Um, and you can see that people are drawn to what we're talking about here. I don't know what you say, but authenticity is what a word you've used before. And it's just, that's why people like watching uh, shelter bi- building videos, like primitive technology and stuff like that. Like even people who are interested in building it for themselves, they're happy to sit down and watch a 20 minute video of someone not teaching, not talking, just building because they see the importance of it and the authenticity of it. And that's why they're, I, I, I'll sit down and watch videos of, you know, um, there's one I watched the other day of a guy who's been make he who's a hatter. He makes hats mm-hmm. like they did a hundred years ago, uh-huh. and like he's like the la- the oldest hat shop in the world, and he's the last one doing this style of like these custom hats, and it's it's enjoyable to watch just because it's it's a craftsman building. Or there's another one of this guy in Egypt who does like dyeing like special tiles and stuff like that, and it's just a much more authentic way of doing things than just pushing pushing stuff out to to uh, you know uh beat a bottom line or whatever um but 
what we were talking about earlier about the classes and stuff is Plato talks about that a, uh, and a little bit in the Republic. He, he addresses it when he says, uh, when people are saying, well, shouldn't politicians like get extra or whatever? Shouldn't they be kind of have a loftier lifestyle? And he says, no, like, why don't we let um, farmers wear robes and sit around and drink wine on couches and eat meat and, you know, farm whenever they want to, when they feel inclined to. Yeah. It's like they, the politicians and stuff, that's a job to do. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a duty. And with any of these things, we should be doing it wholeheartedly because that is the way of the artists is they devote their entire life to their craft. All of their time, their energy, it's all about perfecting the craft and this upholds a certain amount of propriety and expectations and standards. Our standards have obviously lowered. They have lowered significantly. Now, it's not so much about the quality like we are just talking about a little bit ago. It's about the quantity because we're constantly living at such a high or at such a fast pace that we don't take a second to stop and really appreciate the art that is already there, the unseen art that we get a glimpse of when we begin to go into something deeper and deeper and deeper. Now it's all about how much profit can you squeeze out of this? How much profit can you get out of as little work as possible? And we, we switched the end goal from maximizing beauty, maximizing virtue, maximizing excellency, and it's now switched over to maximizing profit money material goods which if that is your end goal then you have to kill off the aesthetic uh, element to it or you have to kill off what comes from doing the thing for the sake of doing the thing right and this comes with um, attachment it's attachment to the result and the result is always like I said, maximizing profit or some other material end. It's never, um, it's never with the purpose of maximizing your own potential, yeah. right? The beauty. beauty, excellency, really undergoing that internal change as you produce an external change and how interacting with these external forces creates a character within you and it builds the character and it adorns it instead of with jewelry or name brand products it adorns it with virtues through discipline right and uh, i think i believe is pythagoras who said we should always adorn the body and soul with discipline and temples with gifts oh that's a good one um and another thing how you said not being attached to the end result it's um kind of the same thing you're talking about there that applies as well as one of the things if someone is ever like depressed or feeling stuck in their life or like they're not proceeding like they're not advancing fast enough or they just don't have anything you know they feel lost or whatever I my number one advice is like well I first question is well do you have any hobbies yeah and it's typically like no or like something yeah. like you know not not really or I like playing video games or something, yeah. you know, I'm like hobbies are so important, especially I've, I've noticed that like I've had hobbies my whole life just because I, I know I need them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I need them as, as an outlet and as, um, just a silver lining to everything. Hobbies are amazing. And it's always a red flag for me. I ask them, well, what are your hobbies? And they don't have any. I'm like, Oh man, like, <laughs> 
you're probably pretty sad, huh? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and usually it's because what what they're told they should be doing is maximizing profit, yeah. maximizing material gain. And when they're not doing that, they feel like there's nothing else to do. Yeah. They feel like they're failing at what at the end goal. Yeah. And no sense of success. Yeah, no sense of success. There's no fulfillment in their life because they think that fulfillment comes with uh, money and profit. And if they don't have this idea of fulfillment, then they are not fulfilled. Yeah. Then they are essentially complacent with laziness. They're complacent with um, what you could just say an unimpressive state of being, right? So many people that you work with when you ask them, oh, what'd you do over the weekend? Or what'd you do after work? A lot of them just say, oh, I went home, watched TV, sat around doing nothing. Or whenever people have a vacation and they come back, it, I always find it funny when people are like, yeah, I, I just wanted to come back to work because I had nothing to do. I was just sitting around. And finally, after like day five, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to work because they just want something to do. And they don't think they can do something outside of work because work is what makes them money. Right? So, uh, with the idea of detachment or not being attached to the end result of what it is you're doing, this allows for character development. This allows for the growth of the soul. And you can do this with something simple. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't have to go out there and be a master survivalist. You don't have to go out there and be a, a world now a world-renowned jiu-jitsu practitioner, black belt. As long as what you're doing teaches you humbles you constantly checks your eagle your ego and disciplines you by making you a better person or a better receptacle of the of the principles you are trying to cultivate then it's a beneficial thing you don't have to make money from it yeah. obviously a lot of people would like to make money from their craft because then they could ditch their nine to five job and focus even more on that but there there it is again focus they want to give their entire attention to it they want to give their entire being to what it is that they find beauty through and with something like uh jujitsu it's you i'm not making money from jujitsu i don't plan to make money from jujitsu I, yeah. I yeah i don't think i ever will because i don't really care to i just want to do jujitsu for the sake of doing jujitsu and the benefits it brings with it the benefits it has on my own character yeah you you kind of um, touched on what I started and I, I didn't finish was the attachment to results. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people will start doing something uh, and I've done it where I'll start doing something and then I'm like, oh, like I'm just not picking this up. Mm -hmm. I'll quit, you know, yeah. but you just got to fight through that. You know, you don't, don't be attached to the result. You just got to do it for the sake of doing it and do it for the sake of learning and like push yourself to learn. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting how you're just talking about jujitsu there for a second is never make money from it i don't i don't want it so that i can uh fight better or anything like that because you know if you're gonna get in a street fight i probably don't want to go to the ground because a lot of times they have friends around or whatever mm -hmm. you know like who knows the situation but um i don't know why i do it other than the sake of for the sake of doing it is i get something out of it every time you know it's it's really like a um a refresh or a reset button yeah. on a lot of things you know in your mind that you just want to cool off or whatever mm -hmm. it, it it steadies the mind and also when you're completely dedicated to the craft mm -hmm. really what keeps you there 
is knowing that you are still so ignorant yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you always have more to learn. You always have more to learn. So that's what keeps you going is, oh, um, I see that I failed at this, you know, in jujitsu. It's like I, I wasn't able to hit this technique on them. Uh, so I need to figure out how I can make that work mm-hmm. and what to avoid next time so it doesn't fail me. And those are the lessons that keep you coming back mm-hmm. time and time again. And it makes so you can't stop thinking about it because yeah. what is it you want to do? You just want to improve. Uh-huh. You just want to do yeah. better at the thing. Yeah. You just want to perfect it. You want to be better. You want to be a better person. Mm-hmm. So any craft that makes you want to be a better person, that's a craft worth doing. Mm-hmm. And things that are for the sake of pleasure seeking, um, which is flattery again, yeah. they don't really have the same result because pleasure, as we've talked about before, Plato describes it as a barrel full of holes. You can always put water in it, but it'll run right out because it's full of holes. It can't retain it. Whereas discipline, things that are worth doing, it's really you're learning how to patch the holes so that you can retain the water rather than get more water. You realize you already have all the water there. It's just how do you uh, how do you compose yourself so that you can be a proper channel for that water and a proper receptacle for that water? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure anyone who's done jujitsu can uh, sympathize with that feeling of just wanting to, you get obsessed with it for a while. Like every white belt is just laying up in bed and can't sleep because they're just thinking about their roles and they're, mm-hmm. then they'll finally just turn on a YouTube video and yeah. bring it in and annoy the black belt with some YouTube knowledge and stuff. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty funny. Um, the cool thing that I've thought about knowledge is, and I, I had this thought, and I'm sure others have said this before. I probably heard it somewhere, but um, I had a I had seen a post on Facebook that talked about why does everyone just focus on guns? You know, like mm-hmm. survivalists, like preppers. Why do so many people just focus on guns and not seeds and community and knowledge? And, and it made me think it's like that is kind of true because I know people who have like thirty guns, mm-hmm. and then no, 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 no kind of no life skills, no, no anything but guns. I'm like, well, are you just going to be carrying twenty or thirty guns with you around, yeah. and then just hope that's going to save you? Like you can only shoot one at a time, my man. Yeah. You know, the thing about knowledge is it doesn't take up space. You know, yeah. you you can carry knowledge with you anywhere. Mm-hmm. So that that's one that's a, the value of knowledge is immense. But. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't really plant a bullet in the ground and yeah. have it produce food. Oh, yeah. But people people like say, oh, well, I can take it from people who did. I'm like, OK, well, then you kill all the farmers. And now what are you left with? Like, yeah. what kind of a world do you have? Yeah. And I'm guessing the farmers probably have a little better community going than you do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you want to go around shooting everyone. You know, farmers can have guns, too. Right. You know, I'd rather have one or two guns and a community and knowledge and ability over just a bunch of guns. Right. And what is it that makes a successful community? It's having a community that's comprised of people with practical skills, having a community of people who are reaching towards perfection in their art, in their specific craft. And this is what allows communities to flourish, right? If the farmers are phenomenal farmers who really care about their craft, if the warriors are phenomenal warriors who really care about their craft, and the politicians, the priests, and everything else, all the other elements, it's pe- it's a 
group of people who are dedicated to what they're doing. They have found what it is that they can improve in. They have found what it is that they can resonate with, what what it is that um, they're drawn towards, and then they pursue that without wavering. Mm-hmm. And this is how you get a great community. Today, how many people do you know have real-life practical skills that they can bring to the table in a community? Imagine if we were establishing some kind of a, a community and people had to go through a vetting process. How many people do you know on a day-to-day basis who just have absolutely nothing to bring to the table? I don't know too many people, period. Yeah, I mean, but... you're, you're kind of isolated up here. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I work with people constantly, and I know it's like, I know if someone had to figure out how to survive without any government assistance, without uh, corporations around, they don't have a lot to bring to the table. They don't they don't have any practical skills or even wisdom that they can pass on to uh, others around them that help cultivate a strong community. And it's it's sad, really, because you can see how it's been taken away from people because we have conformed to modernity in a way that we are basically just bodies. We're basically just bodies who produce profit. That's yeah. it. That's the way we're viewed. There are there are a lot of people out there, though, who I think, um, give, given the proper circumstances, they would still be good people and they would be willing to learn and willing to help and mm-hmm. willing to help provide. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's, that's very good too. We need, we need that as well, but there are also those who pretty much are, wouldn't be of any assistance right. and, and probably victim mentality. Like, Oh, why don't you just, you have, you have all this. Why don't you just give me that? It's like, well, because you know, you didn't contribute. You didn't care to learn. You didn't care to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what you said is, spot on about uh not just what skills do you have but what are you willing to learn are you are you receptive to learning because you'll meet a lot of people who just aren't receptive to learning because they're too hard-headed they think they already know it all right oh i'm not good at this why don't you just do it yeah yeah they make you know any number of excuses to justify their own unimpressive state and it's it's really tough because now those skills are needed more than ever. Now, in light of modernity, in light of the Marxist agenda and the egalitarian mindset, people are trying to go away with this. They're trying to squash any kind of practical knowledge or practical life skills And I don't just mean how to do your taxes. That's not a practical life skill. That's a practical life skill in modernity, going through all the IRS hoops. But I mean, how many people are actually able to learn real things that serve their own sovereignty, that empower them? Because that is what empowers you, is if you are able to look at your ignorance, if you're able to admit your ignorance, and then if you're able to work towards eradicating your ignorance and uh, work towards wisdom or knowledge in whatever it is that you're doing. And that is the most practical mindset one can have is when they say, I have no problem 
admitting that I'm ignorant in something. And if it's really something that interests me, something that um, I'm drawn towards, it's uh, it's something that's worthwhile. I will go through the proper disciplines necessary in order to cultivate an understanding of said craft. Yeah, and another thing that I uh, quickly learned just getting into the bushcrafting side of things is you can watch 10, 20-minute YouTube videos on something, and then you need practice still. You need to get that out there and practice. You can understand the, like fatwood. We were looking for fatwood the other day, and I did do a little more research, and you know what I found? I think what what we were finding was just wet because I, I watched a more in-depth um, video on it and I was like, well, this all looked like fatwood. Mm-hmm. And then the guy said, there's fool's fatwood. He said, you'll think it's fatwood, but it's just wet wood and it will give that glisten and that kind of darker color, but there's ways of testing it. Like testing it has resin, like you need to scratch it with your fingernail and see if it leaves like waxy marks. And um, he said, after it dries off, you'll see it's not fatwood. And I went out into the garage and looked at our wood and it looked like normal wood now. It was yeah. just wet which is interesting, but also, um, we'll do another video on that. I don't want to <laughs> just start talking about it now, but I, I should have grabbed someone I was down there, um, yesterday because I know where we can find some now. I think, you know, yeah. based off a YouTube video, yeah. you know, but I, I need to get out there and it's experiment It's trial and error. Yes. It's, it's being cold as hell and yeah. you know, really uncomfortable. Yes. So summertime, it'll be a blast. No, even if we're failing, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to be out there in the summertime. I don't right. care. I'll be out there all day failing, all you night. know? Yeah. All day and all night failing, but, um, you'll get successes and those really make you, um, more motivated and, and it's very worthwhile. And if I never have to use these skills, I, I love doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope to teach my children at least if I, I'm lucky enough to have them someday or teach other people, anyone, you know, it's, it, we need this knowledge to stay because yes. it is fleeting. And you touched on something crucial there, which is you'll find a lot of people who are armchair experts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by that? They read about a thing, they watch a video and they think they know the thing without actually doing it. And you'll learn that you can read about something all day. You can even watch a video of someone doing the thing you want all day. But once you get there, there's a lot of obstacles and there's a lot of difficulties that you can't really take in or understand or even foresee just from watching a a video or reading a book. You have to do the thing yourself. You have to undergo that same process. And because when someone's teaching you something, They already went through all those obstacles. They already went through all those failures. That's why they're able to teach you. But you, someone who's ignorant to the depth of the craft, you you see someone doing it the right way and you say, oh, I know how to do it the right way now. That, that's very that happens all the time with jujitsu too yeah. you'll watch something you'll watch it five times okay let's try this out then you like do the first like step of this like move and you're like oh uh you know yeah there's something missing there there's yeah. a detail you didn't pick up yeah. on because it's it's a detail and it can be so subtle sometimes yeah. but it can also be very very deliberate they yeah. did that detail for a reason because yeah. they know the result uh they know the end result if they don't do that detail. So yeah. when you're lear- when you're watching someone or reading someone, uh, reading up on someone who's truly a expert in a certain craft, an expert, then they already went through all that. They already figured out their own ignorance. They already saw um, where most people who are completely ignorant to something will fail because 
they went through the thing. They did the thing itself. They yeah. took action and actually applied it to uh, their life instead of just keeping it so- as something separate or alienated from their lives, yet they claim to be an expert on it. Mm-hmm. And when an expert is trying to teach something, um, this applies to pretty much everything, but I'm going to use jujitsu as this example, is it can be sometimes hard to teach something or explain something because you don't really think think about it in words when you're doing it i mean sometimes it's helpful like okay now turn my knee here okay now do this you know and you'll remind yourself that but someone will teach you something and then you're like no that doesn't work like i can't do that it doesn't work and then they'll have to stop and like think through the movement or something like oh okay so put your base over here you know be a little heavier right here like you need to be heavy on this leg in order to make that leg lighter so you can throw it over you know like things like that and it's just they don't think about it or um because they just do it right you know right and it and most people are just trying to uh most people i would say are trying to emulate the semblance of the success they're trying to emulate what it is the other person is doing purely based on visual uh visual indicators so for instance, if someone saw a jujitsu move, like you said, and they saw it done, they say, oh, okay, I see what that person's doing. But they don't feel what that person's doing. They don't feel where that person is uh, distributing their weight or where they're putting pressure into because you can't really see that. You can see the result of that, but you can't see them applying the actual process itself or conf- or conforming to the necessary principles because it's so subtle and you have to actually do the thing physically and mentally in as one you have to find that mind body connection and most people think they they can make the connection in the mind and that the body will follow but that's not always the case uh and there's there's a great analogy um you know how i love using analogies because i can't come up with my own ever but there's a great Taoist analogy and i'm sure i've said it on here a few times but the story goes, and this comes from the Chuang Tzu, the story goes that there's a duke reading philosophy underneath a tree, and then a wheelwright approaches him, and he asks what he's reading, and the duke says he's reading the philosophers, the authorities, and the wheelwright says, well, I'd argue to say you're just reading the dirt they left behind, and then he explains, look, I'm a wheelwright, my son he doesn't know anything about making wheels, and I can teach him everything that I know about making wheels. But there's a certain intuitive know-how one has to discover when, after doing something for so long where they know when everything is in the perfect spot. Everything is in its exact place. And you can't learn about this. You can't even pass it along to someone verbally. You have to discover that yourself. You have to have the direct understanding of it that only comes by experiencing the craft itself. And that's why he says you are just reading the dirt they left behind. Because you can read their words and think you're wise because you can uh, reason that these words are correct but unless you have a direct confrontation with the unknown or with this spiritual dimension here you're not going to understand you're not going to know because your your perspective is coming from that of a half truth where you're only reading about the thing and you're not actually incorporating it into your life and uh, physically mentally doing it as one in unison Right. 
and there's we can learn about this in a lot of different writings but you were just talking about uh the Tao Te Ching right uh Chuangzu, but Chuangzu, yeah, yeah. yeah um they they touch on this a lot and that was we we kind of uh, were discussing Tao before anything else because I know you had mentioned it like the state of Tao and, and then we instantly kind of saw how that fit into jujitsu mm-hmm. and that was one of the early things that um sparked our interest into um these type of discussions and paganism in general. Yeah. And once you see it in one thing, you oh, see yeah. it in everything yeah. too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And sometimes we'll just be doing jujitsu and then we'll just stop and sit on the mat and be like, Oh, you know what? I know it's just like in jujitsu, I was doing this the other day and it's the same thing. Like yeah. the same, same lessons, the same lessons to be learned there. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, and it makes you realize like the oneness of it all. Yeah. And the, uh, integral nature of the universe right how you can learn i who was it i I think it was william blake and he said something like i'm gonna totally butcher his quote but he said something like um when you can see infinity within a grain of sand then you have truly understood right when you can hold the grain of your of sand in your hand and you can see all of the principles of life interacting with that and comprising that grain of sand then you'll understand because there is no such thing as an isolated experience, right? There are different forms, different, um, uh, I could say facets of, of these principles and their expression, but it's the same principles that you're dealing with because you're alive. You're still experiencing them within your conscious being. You're still experiencing them within the frame that is reality. And it's the same principles that permeate all throughout it, just expressed variably. Yeah, and that's that's really like what we try saying when we say that um, paganism is all these different religions. They're just the same thing uh, viewed through a different cultural lens. It's kind of the same thing. It's like if you're doing jujitsu or you're doing bushcrafting or you're doing math or music, like you're engaging with the same principles through a different facet. Yeah. It's this, it's all the same. Yeah. And you're always trying to harmonize yes. with those principles, no matter what it is you're doing. That's what you're trying to do is harmonize with the principles at play in their current expression so that you can be a proper channel and a proper receptacle of those principles in that specific expression and there are many different uh you could say there are various expressions of these principles right and this is why we have the gods the gods are the embodiment of various expressions of principles so if you take aries he's the expression of uh, spiritedness that is disciplined, right? And what is that spiritedness? It is um, a yearning for honor, a yearning for justice, a yearning to uphold harmony. And through him, it's done through uh, violence because violence is a part of life that is that is necessary. It's a necessary part of life. And you have to understand not just violence, raw, unbridled violence. You have to understand disciplined violence where it's honor. And and with the flip side of that, you can look at another god, Aphrodite. She's also dealing with principles. What are her principles? Principles of love, 
principles of healthy love, disciplined love, beauty, and those two gods are married for a reason, or not even married, but they're lovers for a reason, right? Um, but Aphrodite, she deals less with spiritedness and more so with desire, but it's desire that is disciplined. It's desire that is beautiful and perfect. And that is why we have these gods, because they are perfect representations of these principles and their various expressions. And by understanding how we can better align ourselves with the gods through prayers and th through um, incorporating these lessons in our lives via virtues, this is how we can strive towards perfection and towards a disciplined expression of the principles. And that was something when you're talking about um, disciplined violence is I always used to say I love violence, but it just doesn't seem right. You know, I'm like, that's not really what I'm trying to say. I don't love violence. You know, it took me quite a while to realize um, now what I say is I love combat. It make it's it's much more. Um, it implies laws. Yeah, it's more it's more accurate. I don't love unbridled violence, but I do love combat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's because with combat comes strategy. It's not just the act of producing pain, right? It's how do you how do you compose yourself? But I do like the pain too. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. But you do it through discipline, yeah. right? You yeah. do it by working within these principles that have certain laws. And that's why um, military in the past, there were rules of warfare. Like we don't really have many rules of warfare anymore, but there were rules of warfare that everyone agreed upon because that is how you are honorable. Yeah, but, but no biological warfare and this stuff. But I mean, but those are broken yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah, constantly. So it's not just the raw force of the thing that we're drawn towards. Anyone can say, like you said, I love violence. But yeah. if they just say, I love violence, and violence is what I love, usually they're depraved and crazy and yeah. a psychopath. Yeah. Usually, it's it connotes an unhealthy relationship with yeah. violence. Usually, that person as filled with rage yes and they're not super happy yeah and it, and rage is just a byproduct of undisciplined spiritedness right so they're looking at really the sh shallowly shallowly looking at uh the end result of the thing and its material implications and they're saying yes this is what i love the material aspect to it but when you say combat mm -hmm. it it doesn't connote just physical it connotes the physical heeding to the lead of reason to of the mind right and, and it connotes a worthy opponent i think a yes. lot of people who love violence are these skeevy individuals who prey on the weak mm -hmm. someone who says they love combat they want they want a uh, combat they yeah. want to fight they want a challenge they yes, want challenge. they want um worth a worthy battle mm -hmm. a worthy opponent mm -hmm. yeah because it's more so combating themselves it's testing themselves right as opposed to just trying to get the end result as quick as possible and working within these principles you know yeah. uh, someone who's just exercising violence on a on a weaker person there's no principle there's no discipline there's no mm -hmm. honor there's nothing there you know mm -hmm. you can really have a great time 
fighting someone you can yeah. and you can both you usually will, like a lot of fighters they end up hugging afterwards and they they feel more connected it's a, almost like a bonding experience right and that's why so many you know especially with boys so many friends are made by fighting mm-hmm. you fight someone that you didn't like yeah. and it kind of reaches its crescendo where it's yeah. like all right physical violence is is then the result yeah. but what happens afterwards is the people have a mutual respect for yeah. one another and they usually become friends especially yeah. with schoolboys yeah um, that's something too. I don't want to say all I don't, but gen generally girls don't understand that at all. They they just see it as violence. So I, I know there's a lot of jujitsu girls. There's a lot of fighter girls, but typically I've had conversations like, no, I just don't get it. Yeah. I'm like, well, don't get it then. Yeah. You know, we get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, and that's what happens when you are detached from the result of the action, as opposed to just pursuing the action for the sake of the action itself like you brought up a good point with people who just love violence and that's their end goal so they have to prey on the weak because they don't want to take the long route which involves discipline which involves uh testing your own character and really confronting your own ignorance they want the quick easy way and that is because they have not been disciplined in it it's an unhealthy they want the appearance of strength exactly so you Oftentimes you'll, you know, there's, there's a craze right now where girls are into serial killers and it's, I would say it's almost because they recognize the merit of violence and they, and it's usually what draws, um, a lot of women will be drawn towards someone because, you know, they're a great warrior. They're able to protect them. They're able to protect themselves. They're someone who's a strong individual. And we don't have a lot of that today. There's not a healthy expression of that. So they see these serial killers and they're like, oh, wow, look at this person. He killed so many people. Oh, my gosh, she's crazy. That's so hot. When really that person's a coward. Yeah, but I think almost I've been thinking about that. I think almost what they're drawn to is their willingness to... um come uh, disobey society or disobey like they and to go and be a serial killer they're like they they're completely out. yeah they completely they're disregard out. society and they you know they are going and doing their own thing and and doing you know disobeying the laws they're disobeying the status quo and i think that's why the girls are drawn to it because it's so that that's like seen as some kind of a powerful thing to fight against society but in a completely wrong and depraved way you know, we do need people who are willing to stand up against um, corruption. corruption and um, everyone knows society is pretty messed up and people just like seeing someone, you know, fight against that yeah. or do something against it. Like even though it goes against all the rules, you yeah. know, even though it comes out in an unhealthy manner. Right. People love rule breakers. Yeah. They, yeah, for sure. Um, and that's really a tragedy because now when you have someone who's drawn towards a serial killer that is the absolute lowest form of violence and there's like you said there's no honor involved there's no discipline or principles involved as a matter of fact it's the complete opposite it's depraved people who are have this kind of unhealthy desire towards it and they don't want to go through the work of beautifying it they won't they just want the result of it quick and you see this with everything it doesn't have to be something as extreme as a serial killer but when people just want quick results it ties into what we were saying earlier with if you look at cities and the architecture involved they chose that specific style of architecture because it got quick cheap results not because they were able to maximize its potential for 
beauty for aesthetic beauty but because it was able to maximize their uh their goal of maximizing profit right people people definitely um admire profit over skill or anything else it seems now but uh we're going on about an hour i hate to be the one to always wrap it up short but um yeah no it, i mean when we get talking really gets could, away could, from us we could talk about this yeah. all night i'm sure and it's fun and uh the main takeaway that i really wanted to imply um i'll give you some final thoughts too but we've talked a lot about the challenges and the usefulness of Uh, developing a hobby developing skills finding a passion but really the main takeaway the main thing is it will make your life better and it is very rewarding and enjoyable it is Um, and then you get into it and then you start analyzing it and learning these lessons but the main reason that you're drawn to it is just because it's highly enjoyable and it's rewarding you're like man it's accomplishing yeah it's fulfilling and you'll get that sense and then it it, you then one it you can't help it when you start getting really into something you're gonna start analyzing it analyzing it and then analyzing yourself and how everything works together and it it's it just come becomes infinitely more rewarding mm-hmm. and that's the alchemical process in play right um, people usually think of it as archaic chemistry but really when they're dealing with these substances their representations are symbols of deeper understandings and the true process under it, it undergoes within the alchemist within the alchemist because they are trying to conform their soul to the proper principles necessary to create gold right they're not attached to the material result of getting physical gold in their hand it's it's undergoing a spiritual process and development and to kind of bring it back to uh, all this to spirituality, like like you said, just do something. Just yeah. do something. Something that interests you, follow it. If you've been wanting to sign up for a class or something, just do it. Yeah. Like, you know, do it. Because I had wanting to, wanted to do jujitsu for a long time, and I couldn't get anyone to go with me, so I just went in alone. I was like, screw it. Like, I really need to do something. You know, I haven't been doing parkour for a while. I wanted to get back into boxing, couldn't find a good boxing gym. I was like, well, jujitsu interests me. After the John Donaher on the on Joe Rogan, I started listening to him. I was like, hey, this sounds like there's a lot more to it than I thought. Um, so I just went in and did it. And then it, Ethan Ethan came, ended up coming like after a month or something. He he was very short behind me. but And then once we started doing it together, it, it became way more enjoyable now my other brother got into it and he's he's very good now too it's just it's nice it it does create community being able to do it with your with my brothers has made it all the more enjoyable though Mm -hmm. and speaking from personal experience and i'm sure you can attest to this it makes you a better person you're able to operate within society far more comfortably it takes away any um the unknown element like oh what happens if you know you see a person who's getting uppity and it's like oh no what happens if they're going to snap um you feel ignorant and vulnerable yeah and when you know that well if this situation presents itself i think i'll be able to at least handle myself um and be able to uh stay composed throughout it you then it builds confidence too though you are when you're more confident you're more calm you're more open you're more gentle you're more kinder people think that 
uh, martial arts makes someone like really violent and they want to and crazy and you know a bully right right (laughs) right and they and they think it makes a bully but really it tames the bully because the bully is confronted with their own ignorance and their ego has to be squashed over and over and over every time they decide to show up for a training class there are people like mike tyson out there though mike tyson's super cool nowadays and like um he I think he kind of had a, a hard, he was dealt a pretty hard hand and then yeah. with Don King screwing over and stuff like that, he kind of was turned into that a little bit. Yeah. But anyways, besides Mike Tyson, I um had something. Oh yeah. So a guy I work with, he, one of his dreams is to start a jujitsu school for kids. Like he wants to teach young kids it because he thinks that the values that you learn from it are extremely beneficial to young people growing up. And I definitely agree. And he said, people always tell him like, Oh yeah, like you need to teach the kids who are bullied, um, to, you know, get, get kids in there who are bullied and teach them jujitsu. And then he's, he's told me, he's like, no, he's like, you know, no, I want to get the bullies in there, you know, and teach them like, um, build their character, teach them the values of it and what, what you should be doing you know like mm-hmm. train the bullies yeah not and then they won't be bullies anymore right because when you're constantly getting your butt kicked yeah it's hard to be a bully it's hard to be <laughs> you know <laughs> you're gonna get choked yeah. harder than that you need yeah your ego's getting checked constantly and every time it gets checked you say okay well this is an issue here because i was far more i was overconfident in my abilities and now that i see i'm not that that able or i'm not that capable you then experience vulnerability. And when you experience vulnerability, you're able to grow from that. And then you build a respect off of that for other people. And it all goes towards disciplining yourself. And especially with jujitsu, like I talked about, it's disciplining your spiritedness, which is your emotions, your um, your own mental state, and how you pursue things in general. So really, a lot of the time with bullies, the issue is their emotions are imbalanced right they have a vacuum there that they feel they need to feel or they feel they need to fill because they're lacking in some other aspect of life and that's the only kind of empowerment they feel is when they bully people who are weaker than them but when they're constantly getting beat by people who are just as strong as them or stronger than them or in jujitsu a lot of the times people who are physically weaker than them will just wrap them up and make them feel like nothing Mm -hmm. then they realize, okay, there's far more to this. Yeah, and it, uh, what we were talking about earlier, it, someone with a proclivity, proclivity towards violence, um, it takes them and teaches them to respect combat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep, and the rules and yeah. the laws necessary to operate mm-hmm. within that. And the use. The, the use, use of it, yeah, the, practi- use, the practical the use of it, yeah. right. All right, well, um, yeah, we're going on an hour and 15 now, so just to kind of round it out, Um, like we're talking about earlier, just get out there and and try something. If you see something that's been interesting you for a while, but you're constantly trying to justify reasons to, to not pursue it, just try it, just try it. And once you do the thing, whatever it is, you'll instantly see the merit within it because you'll see, oh, I can really grow in this. And especially if you have an example of someone who is just an expert in whatever it is you're drawn towards, then you see what the potential, Mm -hmm. the human potential is. And when you see human potential, 
you only want to strive towards excellence. So we encourage you to try something, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be something like sewing or or um, crochet. It can be something like, um, heck, I don't know. Pick up an instrument. Yeah, pick up an instrument, whatever it is. Just learn something because you're going to improve yourself. And um, for practicing pagans, it's especially important that you find what it is you like. You find the gods that are, um, that are, preside over. yeah, that preside over, that are present there, the principles that they embody. You find that god, and then you begin to pray to them. And when you pray to a god, for instance, if you're drawn towards uh, combat and you're praying to Ares, it really will instill the, a sense of honor within you because the the gods are those principles completely um, separated from the ego. It's mm-hmm. just the principles themselves. There's no ego involved. And this is how you're able to overcome your own ego and resonate more and more with these principles so that you can be a proper channel of these of these principles. So um, this, this comes through in the form of epithets and various names for the gods. And you can see these principles embodied within them. So I'd encourage everyone to... Um, Find what it is you're drawn towards, what it is that you're good at, or what you are naturally inclined to to pursue, and then find the God that oversees that activity or oversees the principles involved in that activity and really, really cultivate a relationship with that God. Yeah, and what's been um, pretty shocking to me, because you know more about um, the gods and their epithets and everything about them than I do but in studying the gods you can you start to see how entwined they are with um the activity you're doing like uh, like we we're just talking about with Artemis and the um cedar tree like that it's crazy by studying the god you can totally learn more about what it is you're doing and even with um combat as well how we're talking about the discipline there and because it is their domains, yeah. right? The gods represent every single aspect of life. And whatever it is you like, there's a god over it. There really is. Yeah. And even if it ties into a bigger picture that that god covers. But um, everything really truly is full of gods, as um, uh, Thales said, who was Pythagoras' teacher. Uh, so, yeah, I would encourage you, and Riley and I encourage you both to, just pursue something beneficial, something worthwhile, something that fulfills you, something that empowers you, that gives you a sense of sovereignty, because that's what we should always be striving towards is sovereignty. And I don't just mean sovereignty isolated from a government, like national sovereignty. Of course, that's an element to it, but sovereignty over your own being. Take control of yourself. Take control of your ignorance. Take control of your downfalls and really address them and try to improve upon them. Really try to undergo the alchemical process to change your leaden state into that of a golden state. And um, if you don't think that uh, there's any legitimacy to that, then try it and prove me wrong. But yeah. I guarantee you won't. <laughs> yep. So. All right. So um, I guess we have a new plug at the end here um artemis-ally.com is where you can follow our 
bushcrafting uh, videos and blogs. It's not just bushcrafting, though. It's bushcrafting, hiking, camping, everything outdoors. So, um, and then Ethan will let you guys know where you can learn more about paganism. Yeah, so if you're interested in any of the topics we've discussed in this episode or any prior episode, you can find out more about our temple that we belong to, um, which is Temple of the Hermetic One. You can simply visit our website at templehermetic.one, or you can find us on Facebook under the same name, Temple of the Hermetic One. Reach out to us there. We post frequently on there. Um, and, of course, want to thank, as always, Brother Nordala for providing us with some beautiful music. That is the intro and outro music here in this podcast. And, um, shoot, I believe there's one more thing I wanted to say. But, oh, I did want to say, last podcast, I believe his last podcast, we talked about how we were going to do a series on the gods and go over each god individually and the principles that they embody and you know we talk about their principles a lot but some people are probably like what are these principles you know like you guys keep talking about principles but what are they so we want to make a series um and we still intend to do so going over each god and the principles embodied therein so um i've been preparing a little bit for that today and i realize it's a bigger task than i initially thought and um i have to learn a lot myself because these things go very, very deep. And uh, so stay tuned for that. We will get around to doing that. And uh, as always, all in one. One and all. Bye, everyone.